very special thanks to Michael and the Temptations for um, bringing us that song today. They're jazzy little number, isn't it? But Michael, I feel like you need some better backup dancers. You know, where was the hand raise halfway through, you know? You know what I mean? So yeah, y'all need work, let me just tell you. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk. Uh, many of you know, um, uh, for about a little over the last month, over the five weeks, I was uh, I had a month sabbatical, and I came back with some reflections last week, kind of part one, and then I want to share a little bit more today about um, maybe some of that story uh, in the midst of that, but also uh, sharing uh, kind of sharing a word for us that I believe now is the time that we need to hear this word. I think that we're at a point in our lives, and I know a lot of us in this room um, are going to maybe hear this message a little differently, but I want, I want you to know that maybe it grows out of a place of, of personal reflection for me, but I, I find that a lot of people can relate to what we're going to talk about and share today. You know, in, in certain circles or when we talk about the story of God, there's a moment where uh, the language, this language comes up, the language that we, uh, we refer to as the call. Uh, that there's some kind of call in our lives to different things. I've been in ministry for 25 years, and my call to ministry, I'll share a little bit about that here in a minute. Uh, but for the last 25 years, this is what I have devoted and given my life to. And I'm kind of right at that phase where I know many of you have been in your lives as well, where you're kind of right in the middle of your career. You know what I mean? A and you kind of decide, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And even in the last year, six months, a few months ago, a couple years ago, there's some of you that I've had conversations and interactions with uh, that maybe are around that 45 to 50 range, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, and you decide, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And many of you have said, you know, that part of my life is over, and now, now I want to focus the rest of my life on something else. And for me, that time is right now. It's kind of like I've got 25 years down and about that much to go, Lord willing. Is this something that I still want to do? And as I got to, to a point in my own life, I thought, okay, what if my calling has faded? You know what I mean? What if God kind of called me and said, I want you to do this for this time. And have I been faithful with the time that he's given me? Have I done what he wants me to do? Or am I at the close of it and God says, hey, I'm going to still give you something else, but it's not going to be this anymore. And I had some anxiety and some fear about that. And even going into sabbatical, some of that's just because you're, you're tired and you're worn out and, and people have just, you know, an, you're annoyed you to no end or whatever it might be. But you get to a point and say, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And I know many of you in this room probably have, uh, have experienced that. Maybe you are experiencing that, or maybe that's something that you have experienced in the past. A and I'm, I'm delighted to say, that when you ask God to reveal things to you, he is so faithful and he confirms things and he takes our, our fears away. He says, listen, this is what I want you to do. And even though right now maybe you don't feel great about every single part of it, the next part's going to look different than the last part. And we kind of get to that point where we feel broken or unsure of ourselves. And I thought today what I want to do is I want to talk about a, a variety of calls that we see in Scripture, the way that God works in faith and how those apply to us. And maybe 
one or two of these categories is going to be, hey, that one doesn't really apply to me. But there are some that you will find yourself in. And how we respond to that call is going to be powerful today. As that song, No Matter What, says, the fact that we are daughters and sons really has very little to do with how good we are at being daughters and sons. It has everything to do with how good our father is. And we've got to kind of reorient ourselves towards that. Now, in the Bible, we see a variety of calls. The first one I'm going to call the requested call. This is where, and you and I do this on a regular basis, don't we, that we pray, and after we've said our three, you know, standard things, dear God, thank you for this day, thank you for this, thank you. Okay, now let me just tell you what I really want from you, right? And then we make our, our requests, don't we? What we see in the Old Testament is there's this story, one of, some of the first prayer requests, if you will, that have been recorded in Scripture. It has to do with a woman named Hannah. And Hannah is a person who lives in community with God. She is a believer. There's only one problem in her life. She doesn't have any children. And it seems to be that something is wrong with her. In our terms today, she would be at her doctor saying, "What is?" they would be talking to fertility specialists. Why can't she have a baby? And it's not something you want to want to reveal. The Bible uses this word barren, which is just such a dirty and terrible word. We don't use it today. We have kinder words that we use. You don't see that word showing up on connection cards, even though uh, Brad and I just wanted to put that on there, but April told us that was offensive. You know, what's your name, your birthday, your address, are you married, marital status, do you have children? No, I'm barren. You know, that's not one of the boxes you can check on our connection cards. We have to be kinder about that. You could say, we have no children, or we're just smarter than everybody else, or whatever you want to say. Um, but, but, but she has got to a point in her life where she feels desperate and she is lamenting her life. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, it says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look to your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant and give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all for all the days of his life. Now, a lot of us in this room have kids, and we did not make this deal with God, although maybe there are days that we wish we did. If you give me a child, I will give this child back to you, is what Hannah says. She says, I want to hold this child in my arms for a short time, and then when he is weaned, when he is about 18 months old, I'm going to take him to the temple, and I'm going to give him back to you. It's an incredible commitment that this mother makes. And I want him to be raised in the temple. And if we know the story, Samuel becomes probably the greatest priest in all of Israel. Anoints Israel's first three kings. Plays a significant and powerful role. And we all know that priests are the ones who stand in the gap between God and his people in the Old Testament. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 1, we have this moment of calling. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes are becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God 
had not yet gone out. This was a candle that they would light, actually a kind of a lantern, an ancient lantern, and, and the, the light would represent the presence of God. And as they would say their evening prayers, the wick would burn down until finally it would go out and people could rest. It says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, the ark of the covenant, representing the presence of God. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lay down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, did not call you, go back and lie down. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Doesn't mean that he doesn't know who God is. Doesn't mean that he does not love God or that he is faithful in his faith. It means that God has not yet called him to be who he is going to be. The word of the Lord has not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down and slept. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as he did at other times. Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel said, speak, for your servant listens. And he goes on from this moment on to do incredible things in his life and in the nation of Israel. All because his mother made a request of God, made a deal with God, and said, God, if you give me this, I will use it ultimately for your glory. And she was honest about that, and she did what she said she was going to do. Now, the requested call is one thing, but there are other times in Scripture where God gives people an opportunity to follow. He calls them to do something. This is what we will call the obedient call. And in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, we have a story of a young girl named Mary. She's probably 15 or 16 years old. She's living a good life. She's living into faith. And then she experiences a call in her life. In Luke 1, beginning in verse 28, it says, The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, you are highly favored, and the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of, kind of greeting this might be. The angel of the Lord said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Or direct translation, you will call him salvation. You will call him the deliverer. He will be great, and we be, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if you read the, the story in 1 Samuel, and if you read the story in Luke, there are beautiful parallels. And like I said, Samuel becomes a great priest, the greatest priest, in my opinion, over Israel. And priests transfer and help people to live into faith towards God. And what happens in 1 Samuel is after God blesses her with a, with a son, she, she has this prayer. So we have Hannah's call and this prayer. And then when you read the Gospel of Luke, it's 
it's Mary's call, and then she sings a song. Both of those are recorded. And even when you read the story of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 26, it says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And then you fast forward to Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, and it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. There's parallels here, and it's not accidental. Jesus becomes the greatest transmitter of God's presence to God's people because his mom, Mary, was obedient to her call. The pastoral call is a different kind of call. A lot of people ask you, how did you know ministry is what you're meant to do? And you can talk to any pastor that works here. You can talk to any pastor that works probably at any church. I was 19 years old living in South Africa, and my parents have always had a very, uh, a very active role in mission work, in helping churches get established and planting whatever. And my dad had agreed one day to go to this little town. It's a town called Longabon, which just means the long road or the long way. It's uh, on the north, kind of the north, north uh, west side of South Africa, and it, it kind of it's one of the most uninterrupted uh, landscapes of ocean lines that you can see. It goes all the way up uh, west Africa. It's a beautiful place. It's an old whaling community. Now, they don't do that anymore, just so you know. That was 100 years ago. But this was a place that they would process the meat and do all that kind of stuff. And there was this little church, and I remember my mom and dad and me, we went on a Sunday morning. We left early. It's about a little over an hour drive. Beautiful day. You drive along the ocean the whole way. And we met in this little, I don't know if it was a if it was a school building or some kind of hall of sorts. And it was one of those days that my dad was going to preach, and I tried to lead some worship, whatever that, whatever that looked like. But hopefully God was still glorified in what happened there. And there was about 20 people in this room. We had to fold out the chairs and put them back up. It was just a church that was starting in that, in that community, in that place, that was going to help um, you know, people come to know the Lord. And after the service, we were invited to one of the people's houses, and we went and had lunch there before we headed back, headed back home. And I remember mom and dad, I, I'd eaten some lunch, and I was sort of deeply troubled. I just remember it very well. And I, I said, I, I should go for a walk. So I walked out into this neighborhood overlooking the ocean, as you would say. And God had been working on me for some time and kind of nudging me towards, towards ministry, towards saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. And one thing I will tell you about God, he does not force you to do it. You have to choose it. And it was in that moment of clarity, I can't fully explain exactly what happened, but maybe in the midst of what I was seeing, what had been there for so long, understanding who God was, it was in that moment that I had absolute clarity and said, this is the calling on my life. This is what God is calling me and asking me to do, and I am going to say yes. And by sheer coincidence, I don't quite know why, but that evening at my, our local church, the church that I grew up at, um, I was speaking that evening, and they would often have young, uh, you know, young people get up and, and share, and this is what some of you came from these churches too, and you know, you, you'd preach or do whatever. And I can't remember what I preached about. I tried to think about it this week. I couldn't remember. But I remember the end of that sermon is that I shared with people the experience that I'd had, and I said, I'm submitting my life to ministry. But I didn't, hadn't even told my parents yet. But I think everybody was there. But that was my community. Those were people that I loved and that I trusted. And I said, this is what I'm being committed to. 
what I'm giving my life to. And I think in that moment, even though I didn't fully understand everything, and I'm sure every pastor you pass through will have some kind of story like this, but the pastoral calling, you are only submitting to one thing, and that is a sacrificial life. You're giving up a lot of things. In other words, what you're saying is, I'm closing doors on other things. That's, that's what is required when you try to step into a pastoral call, is you've got to say no to other things. Uh, the, some of the things you say no to is a long weekend. You can never be gone. It changes your travel plans. How many of you go travel on a Friday, come back on a, you don't get to do that. It's a sacrifice. You know, you want to make lots of money? Ministry is probably not for you. The, the secret is just marry a rich wife and then you'll be fine. You know, but it's sacrificial. It doesn't mean better. It's, it's no different than the sacrifices that you make. It just means there's certain things you have to accept to follow God. And I think we believe this when we, I mean, our, our whole theology is based on sacrifice, right? Jesus dies. Yeah, it's sacrifice. And how we answer that call matters. The, the, other, the other type of calling is what we call the, the personal call. Every one of us in this room, whether you were at camp or at church, somebody preached a sermon and your heart was moved, you decided you wanted to be a person of faith. Every one of us in our lives has this hole right here that only God can fully fill. But Lord knows we try to fill it with everything else, don't we? We say, I'm going to throw every, I'm going to throw a career, I'm going to throw my identity, into, I'm, I'm going to throw all kinds of stuff into this, and it never works because that is designed for God to fill. He does not force you to fill it. He gives you a right to fill it with other things, but it's only when that is filled with the presence and the calling of God that we will feel fulfilled. And a lot of people in their lives, they walk around saying, you know, I, I can't seem to get to where I want to be with. Start with your calling that God has placed in your life. Start by saying, I can't do this by myself. I am struggling. I am broken, and I need you to help me in the midst of this. This is why when Paul writes the book of Romans to these, these people who are living in incredible oppression, their government, their, their, their community is telling them to fill it with everything except God. Paul writes these words in Romans 10, verse 11. He says, as scripture, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's saying when you make a decision, when you make a commitment to fill your life with the presence of God, when God is your primary and you are no longer your primary, that is called salvation. And it's a relief. <laughs> After we make a decision of faith, I feel like a lot of us do that. In fact, I feel like you're here today because you've done that. But then there is God's call that comes When we become God's saved, his children, his people, his church, God will call us. 
not to be saved because we've, we've done that part. But he will call us for something greater. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the story emerges of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, that, that's about the king. And the king dies, and Isaiah goes to the temple, and he experiences the temple. The temple was a beautiful place. And it says the presence of God comes into this temple, and it shakes the foundation and fills the entire temple with smoke. And, and Isaiah is undone. He realizes he is in the presence of God, and now he has seen God. And what's going to happen to him because he is not fit to be in the house of the Lord. And he laments this to God. God, what am I going to do? I've seen your presence, and, and I hear your voice. How's this going to end for me? And it says, an angel comes and purges his sin on his lips with a hot coal. And then God says these words and, 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 and shares these words with Isaiah. And he says, who will go? Who will go for me? Isaiah responds and says, here I am, send me. Here I am, When the church has started in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, Peter reveals to the church and says, the promise of God is for you and for your children for people far off, whoever the Lord our God will call. And it's reminiscent of this passage in Isaiah 6, 1 to 8, where he hears the word of God and God says, I'm calling you, Isaiah. And Isaiah responds and says, I'm here. You can send me. I'm, I'm willing, is what he is saying. And maybe the question that I really want us to talk about today is what do we do with God's call? Because God will call us. I love the story of Samuel. How many times does God call Samuel just in that story? Four times. Is that children? How many times do you ask them to do something before you're annoyed? I mean, maybe once, right? You ever say this? This is the third time I've asked you to do that. You ever say that? Yeah, that's not God. God is so patient and loving and kind. I don't believe by the, the fourth time he's like, Samuel! He was, he was gentle. Isn't it amazing that God is the parent that we struggle to be? He gently calls his children and says, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I know God had tried to call me a few times before I actually said yes. I'm so glad that he was patient with me. Because ministry is the defining point in my life. But there does come a time after God has called somebody so long. Not that he doesn't love them. Not that they're not valuable. But he'll move on to find somebody who is willing to listen. If you read scripture, I, I think there's only a few responses. <laughs> you know, they say if you, if you don't know what to say, you should say nothing. I think that is a valid response. Sometimes when God calls us, we don't always know how to answer that question. But it seems, based on our text of what we shared today, the two responses are, your servant is listening. 
or here I am, you can send me. And I think this is where we struggle. A lot of us, our faith journey ended after we were saved. After we became part of God's family, it kind of stopped right there. And yet God is calling our lives, and we keep ignoring him. It's so funny, even when Jesus calls some people, people would say, well, I got this thing that I have to do first. And he would say, well, well, I'll be with you in just a minute, God. Hey, I'll put that on my, my priority list. You're number 27. I'll get to it. And yet, Jesus says, these are not the people that God's going to use. When he calls his disciples, they leave their nets and they follow. I'm not saying it's always that easy. But that's what it requires. And I, I want to tell you today, and I want, to, I want you to hear this as the word of the Lord, because I've tried to hear this for myself in the last few weeks. It's time. The last 18 months have been rough on everybody. And I know that it's up and down all the time. But I think that some of us have slipped into that space of apathy where we stop answering God's call. And we've become really good at excuses. It requires action. God's call is on us now. The enemy is winning because the enemy is cunning and the enemy is patient. And the enemy puts those seeds in our minds that we wake up in the morning and we say, do I want to go and be a part of a community or do I want to stay in my pajamas today? And I can watch it online and it's just as good. I'm not saying that there's, that's the, the worst thing ever, but I'm going to tell you God's call is rarely for us to stay in our pajamas. He's going to call us to action, to do something, to be engaged in something, to share something that is bigger than us. And it's time. It's time to stop making excuses or explaining it away. You need to be here. You need to be a part of this community. You need to be in worship. You need to hear the word of the Lord. And the reason why I know that is because I need it. And I need you to be here for me. If you don't come for you, come for me. Be a part of something that's bigger. Step into the gap. Don't make excuses or reasons. Listen, none of us is none of us is good at everything. My wife, who was at first service, not here right now, so don't tell her I said this. She is not great at volunteering with kids. She barely likes our kids. You know what I mean, right? Can I get an amen on that? Yes. But Julie, you texted her. And I want to tell you the process. Text her and said, hey, next week, can you be in the baby room? And Haley's instinct <laughs> is to say, uh. But she talks to me about it. She says, I feel like I need to say something. I'm tired of this. I know that's not it. But she said yes. Because I think she understands it's not about her. Brad, every week, the end of service, hey, we have some needs, got some places you can volunteer. That's God's call. That's not just an announcement to fill some time. That's God saying, you have a place here. You can do something. The question is, <laughs> you can answer the call. 
minutes. I'll get there. Just take time. Just take time. And hopefully you hear these today as the word of the Lord in your life. Because I know some of us, we know we're saved. We know we're in the faith. But we're not answering God's call. Now, there's a word in Scripture that's really powerful. We, we, we used it a lot way back when, and then we stopped using it for a long time, and now we're starting to use it and brand it again. It's the word revival. The revive, to revive something, for those of you that are in any kind of medical field, to revive something means that something is dead or almost dead. And we're trying to bring it back. And I want you to know that today, here and now, that's what God is trying to do with us. Some of us might be on the brink of spiritual death. Maybe, maybe our marriages are holding on by a thread. Maybe the relationships that we have in our lives are not working out. Maybe, maybe our jobs are awful. The word revive is powerful because what it means is this. When there is nothing left in you, you need the breath of somebody else to make it right. This is the Genesis 2 story where God makes this guy out of clay and then breathes the breath of life into him. We need that. The nice part about being almost dead <laughs> is that it's not about you. You have all the room for God to breathe his life into you. But it takes courage to say yes. Saying yes to sacrifice. You're saying yes to difficulty. You're saying yes to to awkwardness and discomfort. But God is the one we should say yes to. We should answer that. So, Father, today as we sing about revival, as we sing about you making new life in us, God, would you would you do what we are unable to do. God, the enemy wants us to always look at our brokenness, wants us always to see how bad we are. <laughs> God, could we take our eyes off of him? And may we see you calling us, holding out your hand, and saying, walk with me, my child. Come where I'm taking you. I will never abandon you or leave you you are valuable to me. But you need to say yes, too. Father, today, I just pray. Maybe we feel far away from you. Would you renew us, whatever that looks like for us? Would you give us strength in this moment to have whatever faith we have? God, would you please overwhelm and call us into greater relationship with you? God, maybe may we let go of reasons and excuses and explanations, and may we fully step into our faith. May we stop making it all about us, which we're just so good at doing. Would you just fill us with a sense of trust and awe? That when you call us by name, prayer would just be, here I am.
I'll do it. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be here, to be a part of this church, to share in greatness. Would we say yes to you? We thank you today as we stand and proclaim words of revival. May we actually read the words of the song. Sometimes we forget to do that when we're worshiping. May we just read the words of revival today in our lives and over our lives and through our lives. Would you take this time? Would you accept it? Would you redefine it? We pray this all through Jesus. Let's church together sing.